Welcome to BizBytes, brought to you by Com Together, helping businesses like yours build their brand through telling amazing stories to engage and grow audiences on multiple platforms. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of BizBytes. Today's guest, uh, he and I have known each other for a little while now. Uh, we've done even a little bit of work together uh, on occasion. Uh, Tim is a, well, that's, in my words, a bit of a master in systemizing um, processes and CRMs, but I'm going to let him explain exactly what he does. So, uh, Tim, welcome to the program, first of all, and if you want to do the introduction. Mate, thanks very much, Anthony. Great to be here. Um, I uh, I spend a large part of my day thinking about what to have for dinner, and then when I'm not... <laughs> When I'm not doing that, I uh, one of the things our company does is we look at how we systemize and automate the customer journey, right? So that ultimately for for companies, particularly in rapid growth, um, we're not leaving opportunity on the table. So we look at pretty much from in, you know from from nose to tail, and all on that customer journey, how to how do clients first become aware of you, until how they become raving fans, and then looking at as much as possible how do we systemize and automate that process to allow more predictable and controlled growth um, for companies. Yeah, and it's such a, an interesting area. I know um, we've spoken about it many times, but it's it's the reality is, is that many businesses don't think about that process at all. And if they even if they are thinking about it, it's very rarely that it's systemized in a way to capitalize on opportunities. Yeah, certainly, I, I completely agree. And certainly... You know, one of the things when I first got into business that, you know, kept me up at, up at night was, you know, where's my next client coming from? Where's my next client coming from? Um, and it's a pretty, you know, for I think for a lot of business owners, it's a pretty ordinary kind of feeling to, to have. And the bigger, you know, the bigger the business you have, the more reliant you are on that, you know, on that predictability, I guess, right? Because suddenly it's not just your mouth you're feeding and, and food on the table for your family, it's you know, for all of your employees and their families as well. And it, and it creates this, you know, this sort of burden upon on, on business owners on, on how they, you know, what they're doing. And, and I've, always, I've, I've certainly found that it, it, over my time in business, it's probably the most important thing to get right, right? You can screw up your delivery from time to time. You can make the wrong strategic decisions. But if you can't, you know, reliably um, generate opportunities from your market, you kind of don't have a business. Um, and I found that over and over again, you know, not just from my own experience, but when I started talking with clients and, you know, globally almost, um, same sorts of pressures and challenges as well. Don't know where my next client's from and coming from, you know, what am I doing? I've kind of forgotten to follow up with somebody. In fact, I just shared with you, um, you know, pre-call, um, pre-podcast pre actually, you know, that it even happens to me still, right? I, I didn't get back to a client quickly enough, and as a result, they took their their business elsewhere. Yeah, it's it, and that time frame has changed so much over the years. Um, you know, it's because of email, because of WhatsApp, because of all of these things. The expectation of a response is almost immediate, and and you get that frustration. I mean, I I know, for example. Um, I, got something going on in a that I'm more on the personal side of things that I'm chasing 
and, um, you know, didn't get a response on Thursday, didn't get a response on Friday, you know, now resorted to other technologies to try and message the person to say, hey, you know, what's going on? Um, because the expectation is that when you send something, you almost get a response straight away. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's part of part of managing expectations, um, you know, both in your system, but also in your, you know, if, with your clients as well. If you respond at 8 p.m. at night or 10 p.m. at night, they'll start to expect a response at 8 p.m. or 10 p.m. at night. You know, it, it's not all clients are good clients. Um, I like to say not all dollars are created equal. And but those those people are sort of giving you an indication of of how they want to work as well, right? So if your client starts messaging at 10 p.m. at night, well, you know they're going to expect responses at 10 p.m. at night, and that may mean that that prospect is not really a good fit for you. And you need to set those bound boundaries and foundations up front to say, well, hey, this is you know, if we're going to work together, this is how we work. We work, you know, 8 p.m. to 5 p.m. Monday to Friday, and if you you know, and if you send something after hours, we'll respond to you the next day. Um, and I think that's an important part of marketing. Marketing for me isn't just, you know, what your website looks like and running some Google ads to, you know, to it to convert some leads. Marketing is every experience that we have with our customer and with our prospect. You know, it, it, to be honest, it's even every every interaction we have with our strategic partners and and staff as well. In some ways, we are marketing and setting an expectation about how and we operate as a business and what we do with the transformation we create through working with us in some capacity. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. Um, it, it surprises me how many times I've had conversations that I bet you have as well with businesses where they say, oh, no, we don't do any marketing. So, so you don't talk to anybody. You don't talk to your staff. You don't talk to your clients at all. Oh, yeah, we do that. And I said, your marketing. Um, That's right. You know, that, or you, you turn up to a networking event. I'm not marketing, but I go to networking events all the time. Yeah, it's. I think that's the. I think the interesting thing about the term marketing is that it's become such a broad term that it's almost lost its value because a lot of people get marketing and advertising confused. There's an expectation around you know this term digital marketing that incorporates a lot of things, but actually is not really all that specific. Um, I, I think that you know I mean, I, personally, I often and, and the audiences will know this. I prefer to talk about engagement more than the term marketing as a general rule because people understand the idea of engagement and that that also can take on many facets. Um, but it, it it is a challenging beast getting people to first realise what's involved and what they need to be doing. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And again, we look at this whole life cycle. You know, if you just, you know, think about it, in, I guess, in, in context of, you know, interpersonal relationships, right? Um, if you went on a date, you know, with your, you know, hopefully significant other and your first date, you said, hello, beautiful, I think we should have 10 kids. And I want them to name them Dave, Anthony, John, Sarah, Sally, Paul, Peter, you know, blah, 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 blah. And and away you went. Um, I think the chances of you having a second date would be pretty slim. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. You know, it's almost it's almost like you're sort of taking too much for leap. And yet we see so many companies do that. I mean, it, it's it's pretty hard to turn on 
uh, you know, log into your LinkedIn account these days without finding, you know, a daily or, or several times a day, you know, a message that says, hi, here are all my services. You should buy them all because we're amazing, right? There's no opportunity to kind of get to know someone, you know, and date them a little bit before you go, yep, you actually, you know what, you know, you're credible, you're likable, you're trustworthy, right? And I know who you are, right? We have to, we have to tick all those boxes, right? We have to be visible. I think that goes without saying, I can't buy from people that aren't visible, but I also need to be likable and I need to be credible as well. Right. And it's, it has to tick all those, you know, your marketing needs to tick all those boxes in order to move people on that customer journey. Yeah. And it, it is about understanding and responding and it is a balance because something you talked about before in terms of setting expectations around time is an interesting one because part of the whole process of that engagement is that you might send newsletters out, for example, or generic emails, um, which people are aware of. And often people will send them in strange hours in order to try and get some cut through. And it's a balance between that appearing as, okay, this is a generic email just so it goes to the top of the list versus this is when I'm going to get a response from someone. And, uh, you know, so it is all along the way. You need all of these things, but you need them contextualised so that there is an expectation of when you'll respond. I mean, I know many times, as you were talking before, where you see something coming in at a weird and wonderful hour and you might see it for any number of reasons and you might even want to respond but I know personally what I do is, is if I do respond, which I don't often do at weird and wonderful hours, I'll schedule it so it doesn't actually send until eight, nine o'clock the next day because I don't want those people corresponding me with me at that time. So you do set the right expectations, but by the same token, you want that engagement flow and you want to respond with a sense of understanding. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. And it is, it's about building relationships. Right? We want to build that relationship until such per time as A, my prospect has the problem, you know, or recognizes and wants their problem solved. And B, we are, you know, Johnny on the spot to fix it, right? But they like it. And it's got to have that symbiosis. I've got to like my client enough to want to solve it. And they've got to like me enough to have me solve it for them. And if we don't have those two, you know, those two pieces, you know, puzzle pieces kind of fitting together. We don't have a relationship that's going to work. They're going to buy from somebody else. All right. So yeah. we definitely need to think that marketing is not this point in time thing. It is something that continues over the course of a relationship that continues to build, right? To the point where, you know, when that that, that prospect has a thing that becomes today's pressing priority. Like I know, for example, you're traveling tomorrow, Anthony, you're about to sort of fly off to Europe. Um, you know, all there's a whole bunch of things on your to-do list. And guess what? A lot of those are going to wait because tomorrow's priority is get on a plane. That's the biggest priority. Absolutely. Yeah. So other stuff will wait, right? So that response to the email, the kind of solving that other sales issue or the, you know, write that proposal or, you know, fix that CRM or whatever it happens to be is all become secondary to the more immediate pressing priority. Right? And we've got to recognize that our clients have different priorities to what we want them to have. In the same way that asking your teenage kids to clean their bedroom, you know, you'll have to ask them several times. If you know the secret to getting your kids to clean their bedroom the first time, please let me know. I would love the answer to that question. But more often than not, I've got to ask my son, you know, half a dozen times to clean his room because 
Whilst it's my priority, it's not his. Okay? And if we think about how the things that we can solve with our business for our clients, right, just because I can fix it doesn't mean to say that they want it fixed today. Yes, I think it's and, – and I think it, it's a very interesting um, area of that priority and getting a sense of that. And one of the one of the it, – it creates a big opportunity for businesses who do listen to the priorities because AI has come in and – one of the one of the great things about AI is is that can problem solve uh, to an extent. So we've all experienced this where we go onto a bank, for example, and we've got a you know an issue and it has its chat bot on the side there. And if you ask the right questions, you get the you know directed to the right answers there. But what it doesn't do is 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 understand priorities and it doesn't understand variations in it and it does lead to increasing frustrations with a lot of users and that creates opportunities for those that are prepared to listen and are prepared to prioritize and are prepared to respond accordingly. So, and I think that was one of the areas I wanted to get into with you because uh, I I know that uh, CRMs play a big part in in what you do in systemizing things. And there's certain triggers that happen in order to get flows happening. But it's trying to get enough keywords and things in those to in order to understand priorities, isn't it? And to understand where something needs to come out of a flow and you actually need to respond to it in a more personal way. And that takes a bit of that's a bit of an art form as well. Yeah, it, it is. And 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 just for the people who are listening that don't know what a CRM is, a CRM stands or officially stands for customer relationship management. Um, I like to spin that on its head a bit when we talk contact relationship management, right? So it's all of the contacts in your world. Now it is just a tool that helps us manage more relationships. Okay. Customer relationship management or contact relationship management. Um by default, you know, we as humans, we like to simplify things. And we simplify the number of relationships that we can maintain at a level of intimacy as well, right? Um, it's a rule called Dunbar's number, for example, that says, you know, you can maintain five intimate relationships and then 15 close relationships and, you know, 50 casual relationships and so on. Um, but, you know, if you think about the people in your world, you probably know a lot of things about the five people closest to you, right? You know a little bit less about the next 15 Right? And they might be extended family members or something, and you don't necessarily know what they did today, or you don't really remember what they have in their coffee, or you know, you kind of know some some loose details. But the next fifty, it's starting to get a bit vague, and a CRM allows us to manage. It's like an extra brain, really, for your business, right? But it's a communal brain for your business as well. So everybody in your business can put a, put information about the relationships they're having with people into this tool that allows easy recall for something. All right. Now, again, coming back to what I said before about the the closer we get to sale, the more intimate the relationship needs to be. So we can't maintain intimate relationships. It becomes very hard to get to right that point of sale because we just aren't intimate enough with our client. Right? and particularly in a professional services context. Now, the other side of that, of course, as we, you talked about flows there, Anthony, so I'll pull that out a bit further. We're talking about you know workflows or automation. And automation basically comes in three you know, three parts. 
What is the trigger or event that has occurred? What is the action we're going to take? And when does that action going to happen? Now, again, as adults, as human beings, we're good at simplifying things. So the process of going to the shops to get some milk or a bottle of wine or something like that, you know, sounds very simple, right? But because we've gotten used to simplifying the process. But what it actually means is picking up the remote control and pushing pause on Netflix and pushing the dog off your lap and then standing up and then looking around for your car keys and then opening the door to the house and then closing the door to the house and then walking the 13 steps to your car and opening the car door and da-da-da, right? So there's lots and lots of actions that actually occur in sequence to achieve the outcome of, you know, getting some wine or some milk from the shops. Yeah, right? and it's... And that is, that is the process by which our business creates the same outcome every single time. So your business creates an outcome for the customers that you bring in. And the more systemized we can make that, the more predictable the outcome it is. And that's where systems like your CRM become critically important if you're looking to grow and scale. Yes, and I think that um, it's an area that is, and, and you and I chatted about this um, many times in the past, it's a difficult area to work out the right one to implement for your business. It's not a straightforward one. And anyone that's looked into it will know that there seems to be hundreds, if not thousands of, of options out there. So working out what is right for your business in, is, in of itself is a challenge, but it does make a huge difference once you've got one in place, whatever one you choose to try and implement and stick with that and maximize it before you start going, oh, I wish I had this and, and that and diverting off into something else because you can get lost in a lot of features, can't you, with, with some of these things. And um, it's what your ability is to use and maximize in the short term particularly is critical. Yeah, look, I think you've got to, you're, you're absolutely right, but you've got to look at what are your, what's your core function, right? The core function of this thing is how many relationships do I need to manage? How many people do I need to manage and what information do I need to record about my clients, right? After that, you'll find that these are just tools, right? In the same way that a car, right? A car is just a tool that helps you get from, from home to the office, you know, or from home to the supermarket and back. You know, it doesn't really matter what the car is. Some will do it faster. Some will do it a bit flashier, right? But the fundamentals of it are still, it's got, you know, four wheels that touch the ground, one that you hold in your hands, you know, if you pull the wheel to the right, it turns right. If you go to the left, it goes to the left. And there's a, you know, there's a go faster and a go slower. But under the hood, there's 30,000 parts to a car, right? And under the hood of your CRM system, there's a lot of activity that goes into simplifying, your, you know, how you attract, convert, and keep those clients, right? And that's where you work with someone like myself or, you know, um, or another sort of CRM agency or specialist to kind of convert your business strategy into the technology so you're effectively building a custom vehicle for yourself then it's up to you to drive it because if you don't right you'll find yourself looking around going oh, i wonder if i wonder if that other system will work better for me or i wonder if this one will do better right it's not the system itself it's you just haven't learned to drive properly absolutely i think that is a very good analogy for people to uh, cotton on to um I wanted to explore something else with you because um, 
I know how involved you are in all of these systems and things, but I want to find out what underlies and drives all of that for you. So take me back to young Tim. Um, where was where were you at in terms of school, university? What was the uh, what was the dream? What were you going into at that point? Well, I was going to be a stockbroker. A stockbroker. I blame Gordon Gecko. You know, Wall Wall Street. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, that was my dream originally. But I, even going back further than that, my, one of my first memories, um, and I don't come from a business family, in fact, as far back as I can sort of find on on both my mum and dad's side, there's nobody in business. So I didn't have business mentors in, in that sort of context. I didn't grow up in an entrepreneurial um, family, you know, like I guess some people who were in business sort of have had that sort of exposure. So my first exposure to business of any sort was probably my uncle Scrooge golden book, right? That I might have had as a as a four or five year old. And the idea of if you ever, you, can, you can picture Uncle Scrooge, um, the idea of sort of diving into big money pits and, and rowing my rowboat around it, right, seemed a huge amount of fun. All right, and even to this day, I still don't know what Uncle Scrooge actually does for his money. Um, it's either a trust fund baby, which you know, admittedly, would be a, a good career goal, um, or something of that sort or an entrepreneur of some sort, right? But he seemed to be having lots of fun. I thought this was really cool. And so I tried as a as a very, very sort of young man in single figures of age, tried a couple of tried my hand at different businesses. That's how I sold eggs and, and fresh produce at the Alice Springs markets. I don't remember that, but apparently I did. I I stand a started a, a circus at the age of five, you know, and invited all the neighborhood kids around and and charge them 20 cents admission, you know, to dress up and act in my circus and then spend all my ill-gotten gain on one-cent lollies and, you know, one-cent sweets. And that was, you know, that was genius. <laughs> so I thought, <laughs> this is this is great, right? People can give me money and, and, and we can have fun doing it. And I found, you know, trying this over and over and over through my sort of teen years as well, this interest in this sort of, I guess in taking an entrepreneurial enterprise, this idea and then converting it into in some cases sort of bags of sugar in the form of sweets or, you know, into something that I could then convert into something else was was this, for me, a really rewarding process. Right? And it was only as sort of as I started to, you know, as, as I started to launch businesses as an adult that I kind of had a, a greater perspective of what other people were going through in order to create their own enterprise as well. So, you know, studied business at school, actually ironically found myself doing um, IT at uni uh, and then finance, which sort of, you know, picked up a couple of other buckets for me as well. But, you know, what I what I likened business to in very much is, is right, a business, again, as we as mentioned earlier, business creates a predictable outcome every single time. Right. It's yep. not it's not radically different. I find a client, I deliver the service to my client, they get the same outcome. Hopefully it's a really good one that they want to repeat and tell other people about. All right. When um, you know, when I first started writing code, this is pre or very early days of the internet. Right. When I you know was doing IT at uni, there was no internet, which is a kind of bizarre concept to think about now. No, and writing code, it was the same thing, right? We've all seen you know, the blue screen of death for Microsoft or the, you know, the spinning colorful wheel for, um, you know, on an Apple device or something, right? All that is, is the code doesn't know what to do next. You've given it instruction and it's gotten lost. 
Okay. And it's between somewhere between line one and line 879 million of code that you've written, right, to deliver a consistent outcome. It's gotten to a point where it doesn't know what to do. And if we think about our business in the same context, our business does this thing, right? We've got a customer who's the bit of, who's the cursor in the line of code, gets to a point where they don't know what we want them to do next and they hang or they disappear or they you know go off and do something else, not what the code was designed to do. I love that. I, I love how the relationship between finance and IT is that it's a very, either way, it's a very systemized approach. You have to do certain things to get to certain outcomes. And you're right, that analogy with business is the same, yet it seems to most businesses, it almost feels like it's random. Um, and I, what I see is a lot of businesses that don't acknowledge the systems that they have and trying to work on that, you know, both in terms of their operations, but also particularly in terms of the way they engage audiences. They're not thinking about what's worked and what didn't work and trying those different channels because that's the interesting thing, isn't it, that that if you're using the computer analogy, um, those spinning wheels and blue screens of death have happened less and less as the years have gone on because new code has been written to say, ah, people are going down here, so we need to make sure if they go down here that we can bring them back over here so that those things don't happen and there is somewhere for them to go. And we don't think about that in business enough, do we? No, not at all, but it is. We, we, we want to create a consistent outcome. And certainly, you know, if you want to sort of follow Kiyosaki's model where he says, you know, you, you own a job and then you, you know, have a job, then you own a job and then you own a business, right? And then you own investments, you know, that sort of cash flow quadrant sort of model that he talks about. At some point, we've got to jump from owning a job to owning a business that facilitates the lifestyle we want from it. Okay. So, I mean, the business is just there to support our lifestyle, whether it's travel, whether it's fancy dinners, whether it's, you know, time with loved ones, whether it's whatever, you know, world changing ideology that you want to sort of do. The business is there to facilitate it. The more predictable the business is, the more likely we are to achieve the outcome we want from it. Right. The business is not our lifestyle, which is a Absolutely. trap that I think so many of us have fallen into. Me included, and I know you have as well. The business is not our lifestyle, okay? The no. business is there to facilitate our lifestyle. So the more predictable that becomes, the more we go back and review and set plans and say, well, that didn't work last time. What can I learn from that, right? So that that won't happen again, right? We should be doing that every single client and dialing that process in about how we deliver the outcome, you know, that we, that we promise to our customers. And that doesn't, that's just, you know, that's, customer delivery it's also customer acquisition it's customer retention as well you know we should be and we don't do it often enough reviewing every single sales call i had a sales call today what went well what didn't go well okay let's fix the didn't go well stuff and do more of the stuff that did go well so that next time i've got a better you know, better result yes and and not doing those things completely in isolation either because it is right taking those notes but not necessarily saying okay this worked really well this time, therefore we're changing everything and we're going to make it work that way because you also have to recognise the individuals and you have to recognise that you need a few variations to take a look at along the way to complete, to consistently fine-tune things. And I think that's an important 
aspect of, of this. And it gets back to what we first started talking about is sort of the listening and understanding of people. And I think in a day and age where there is this sense that everything has to be so finely tuned um, and, you know, particularly using AI type uh, things that actually there's a fight against it to some degree. So you also have to have to be prepared to adapt. And it's it's certainly something that I've um, become very aware of, particularly in the past 12 months. And I don't know whether you felt this as well, Tim, that the idea of packages has started to fall away a bit. People don't want out-of-the-box solutions. They want something that is going to be tailored to their particular needs. Now, from a business point of view, it may actually be a package that you've got tucked away, but they don't want it to feel like a package. They want it to feel like it's being tailored for their, for their particular circumstance. Yeah, well, that, you're absolutely right, right. I mean, we need the appearance of you know, customization without necessarily being customized. Right? So, you know, we talk about process. I um, was just actually thinking this. I've, I've put a passage in my uh, the book that I'm writing, um, which talks about, I guess, your progression as an entrepreneur and your your the progression of your business, right? Almost mirrors the industrial revolution in some in some ways. You know, pre-industrial revolution, it was you as the sole trader. You did everything. You were the craftsperson. You sourced your materials. You turned up at the local markets. Uh, you know, you put your table out and you hawked your wares, right? And you did everything. Maybe you had an apprentice to help you, great. But, you know, largely pre-industrial revolution, you did everything. Now, along comes along comes sort of this massive change, along comes machinery, and we replace a few people with a conveyor belt, right, you know, of, of people. They do a bit of the work and they hand it on to the next person and that person does a bit and they hand it to the next person and they, they do a bit. And then we have the advent of some machinery and we replace a couple of people on our conveyor belt with some you know, with some machinery, and then we replace the whole conveyor belt with the conveyor belt itself that pushes more and more and more product through. And you know, and the person who was on the on the line now is pressing the button that says start and stop. And you as the business owner, well, you're on to loftier ideals, right? You're up in the control room looking at all of your machines running in tip-top shape. Right. But we as as business owners, we don't have 250 years to kind of wait for the industrial revolution. Right. Our job is to get out of that black box, which is grimy and greasy and full of gears and we get chewed up in and start working on the business more often to do ultimately what I think a business is for, right? To produce profit so that you can do the things you want to do, right? Customer outcomes, that's a byproduct of what our business is for. Not the purpose of our business. It's a byproduct. Absolutely. The purpose of our business is profit. And so, you know, if we, if we start looking in through this lens and saying, well, what do I need to do to create this machine that consistently and reliably produces profit? What tools or systems do I need to put in this? Which bits are replaceable and which bits aren't replaceable and replaceable quite quickly so that I can consistently produce that outcome? Now you can start to see why, you know, your sales and marketing systems become so critically important in producing that outcome of what a business is actually for. And the, the quicker and sooner that you can get to doing those and refining those gives you this your competition who's still kind of flailing 
Kim, I just wanted to uh, wrap things up because I know we can talk for uh, for hours about this kind of area. Um, give me just quickly the aha moment that people have when they start working with you. When does that come and what does that look like for, for you? Uh, because it is a... Um, it is an important one that people will have when they start getting something like this working. And and I think often they don't realise it until much later on. So what's that moment look like for you, for, for your clients that you think, gee, I wish they would know that a little bit earlier on? <laughs> I think it's, you know, it's a, it's a couple of things. It's, it's probably this realisation that, um, you know, I've forgotten to follow up with that person or, you know, things are getting a little bit out of control, a little bit out of hand, right? Uh, it's definitely there's a as an element of of desire to grow in there as well. I, I know I want to grow. I know I've got a great product. I know I want to get it in the hands of, of of more people or a great service, and I want to transform people's lives a bit a bit more. But I just don't know what I don't know. You know, maybe it's like I have to give my marketing to my you know admin girl who's got a great Instagram account, but, you know, she doesn't really know what she's doing either. Or, you know, I'm, I'm hiring this kid in year 12 who can build me a website because it's cheap. Yes. You yes. Know? And I don't really understand this thing. And look, we're dealing with, as, as we sort of touched on, we're dealing with a space that is so rapidly evolving with AI that, you know, we can't lose sight of some fundamentals in there as well that really define whether we're moving in the right direction or not. Yeah. Tim, we've touched on so many things and I know that um, uh, people that work with you, I, I know the outcomes that they get are so superb because just seeing those things starting to, to work together makes such a huge difference. And uh, we're going to include, as we always do, a bunch of information on how to get in contact with you in our show notes. Um, I just wanted to say thank you for being a tremendous guest on, on BizBytes. Uh, and uh, I know we're going to have you back again because there's so much more to explore. Thanks, mate. It's great to be here and, and share some of the knowledge with, with your audience. Thank you, everyone. And uh, stay tuned for the next episode of BizBytes. BizBytes is brought to you by ComTogether for all your marketing needs so you can build your brand, engage audiences on multiple platforms. Go to comtogether.com.au, follow the links to book an appointment for a free consultation.